The big Australian outperforms, but are we on the cusp of the next mining boom? The Ukrainian president addresses parliament, Qantas reveals its green plans, and the CEO who stands to pocket a casual $240 million. It's Friday, the 1st of April, 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and Sean Aylmer is back this weekend, fresh from a break in Fiji. I'm joined, as I have been all week, by Adam Lang from the Fear and Greed team. Adam's a former CEO, now he's a business and executive coach and advisor. Adam, good morning. And good morning to you, Michael. Tell me, I know it's only early in the morning, but have you been fooled by any April Fool's pranks yet? Not as yet, but no one else is awake in the house, so there's plenty of time. There, the, the day is very, very young at the moment, isn't it? My favourite thing on April Fool's Day is uh, to go through the papers and see, remember the good old days when companies would actually put in uh, April Fool's Day ads and things. Obviously, that that all kind of got cut in the last few years as as kind of marketing budgets got got tightened a little bit, and perhaps sensitivities too, right? That's a good point, actually. Uh, that's a very good point that maybe people just aren't um, aren't as open to a joke anymore. Well, let's bring it back. Maybe not right away, but give me some time to think about it. You've kind of put us on the spot to think of a, a fear and greed April Fool's <laughs> Day prank. Quick, be witty. Well, we're going to have a cracking one in 2023. We'll, we'll spend the next year planning it and then we'll roll something out next year. A cunning plan. That's right. Now, immediately after the show, stay listening for a great chat with Paul Bowker. He's the co-founder and CEO of Brick Lane Brewing. It's all about the business of beer and in particular the boom in non-alcoholic beverages. So it's a very good chat and there's an awful lot of bees in what I just said as well, Adam. So Yes, without causing pops in the microphone. Well done you. That's right. It's all about the technique. But first, we need to talk about resources and mining. We talk a lot about it on Fear and Greed. And yesterday was a pretty good day for Australian companies who make a living digging stuff out of the ground and, and then really shipping it overseas. Actually, it wasn't just a good day. It was a really good quarter overall. Companies like BHP have really outperformed over the past three months. Just just yesterday, Australia's biggest company, BHP, was up 2.3%. Over the quarter, it's up nearly 25%. Uh, of course, during the quarter, I think it was at the end of January, the big Australian came home. It delisted from the London Stock Exchange to be solely listed on the ASX. It means it has a local market cap of $256 billion, far and away our biggest company. So when BHP does well and the rest of the miners do well, it often has a pretty big influence on what the rest of the ASX does overall. And with iron ore prices high, strong demand from steel producing countries like China, it means the miners have really helped the local boss to a pretty solid quarter. But Adam, the other thing we need to talk about today is where the mining boom is going, because we could be on the cusp of a major surge in demand for our rare earths and critical minerals. And it has a lot to do with the United States. Yeah, the question of a boom on a boom. It's all about geopolitics and trying to secure global supply chains. The majority of rare earths are produced by China, and as tensions rise, the US needs to lock in supplies. So critical minerals and metals like lithium, nickel, zinc, copper, graphite, cobalt, they're used in mobile phones, flat screen monitors, wind turbines, electric cars, solar panels and and plenty of other high-tech applications as we shift towards renewable energy and consume those goods 
these resources become even more valuable. Federal Trade Minister Dan Tian has been in the US this week and he's meeting with the US Commerce Secretary and that's helped clear the way for US funding to flow into Australian critical minerals projects. So that's good news for local miners of rare earths and critical minerals and metals. While the big miners dabble in the sector, it is dominated by small and mid-sized miners and explorers. Think about names like Linus, Cobalt Blue, Iluca Resources and Liontown Resources. Yeah, we'll keep watching those stocks uh, to see how investors are responding to the changes. Overall, yesterday, the, the S&P ASX 200 dropped slightly, ending its run of gains. It was down 0.2% to 7,500 points, but finished the month up 6.4%. So really, overall, a pretty good month. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Adam, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky spoke to our own federal parliament last night. It was the latest in a series of addresses to global leaders. Unsurprisingly, he was passionate and extremely direct. And he issued a warning that, and this is a direct quote, whatever is happening in our region can become a real threat to your country and your people as well, because this is the nature of the evil. It can instantly cross any distance and barriers, destroy lives. It's pretty impressive. He is a pretty impressive leader. That's right, Michael, he is. And he also impressed our leaders. He received a standing ovation from our politicians and Prime Minister Scott Morrison committed another $25 million in military assistance. That's through radar systems, medical supplies and food. Earlier in the day, the Australian government had announced it would impose additional tariffs up to 35% on all Russian imports, bringing those economic sanctions up a level. Meanwhile, Russia is playing down peace talks while intensifying attacks in eastern Ukraine and around Kiev. However, Moscow did agree to a ceasefire in the besieged port city of Mariupol yesterday to allow civilians to leave. All right, now, Adam, we know it has been a very big week for economists. The budget has taken up a lot of oxygen, but there has been some other big news out this week as well. Uh, some data out yesterday revealed that the number of job vacancies rose 6.9% in the three months of February with 423,000 job openings. That's 86% higher than prior to COVID. That is pretty extraordinary. The official jobless rate in February was, of course, just 4%, which is the lowest level since 1974. Now, Adam, I know that you are just itching to go through some more data because you are a, a bit of a data fiend. And so when the Australian Bureau of Statistics has information, you are just in there, just digging away. Go for it. Michael, I'm going to have to hold my inner data nerd back and make it, I guess, acceptable to our listeners. I've got the latest Australian Bureau of Statistics data on two fronts, and they have been extra busy. The first piece of data is household wealth. Now, that has climbed 4.5% to a record high of $14.7 trillion in the final three months of 2021. Not surprisingly, but most of that increase came from an increase in home values. 
as we know, home values have been benefiting from low interest rates, high levels of employment and strong demand from housing. The lift in the superannuation guarantee on 1 July last year was also a factor. You might remember that would increase from 95 to 10% alongside higher employment. That also contributed to the total 4.5% growth in household wealth and gave us the record $14.7 trillion. It's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? Nearly as extraordinary as your love of statistics. What else have you got? (laughs) I'm sure you're glad to know. I've got more. Another good one from the ABS. Approvals of new houses and apartments rose at their fastest monthly rate on record in February. Private sector building approvals rose 43.5% in seasonally adjusted terms in February. And that was following a 27.1% fall in January. So this was across all dwelling types, but the biggest increases were actually in apartments in New South Wales and Victoria, while Queensland was the only state to record a fall in approvals last month, and that was down 14.6%. All right, so outside of Queensland, it's a pretty good time to be a builder by the sounds of it. Absolutely. Now, Adam, you know I love planes and I love aircraft stories, so I do have one here for you today. Qantas yesterday released some details on how it plans to achieve its 2050 net zero emissions target and an interim 2030 goal to cut emissions by 2025. Obviously, this is such a big challenge for a lot of companies, but it is a particularly sizable challenge for airlines just because their emissions are so significant through their fuel usage. Yeah, and fuel is such a massive part of their whole cost base. So CEO Alan Joyce has outlined a four-point plan that involves, number one, increasing the use of sustainable aviation fuel, two, reducing waste, including eradicating single-use plastics by 2027, Number three, increasing fuel efficiency by an average of 1.5% every year through to 2030. And four, boosting its involvement in carbon offset programs. And Adam, just before we leave, Qantas, some good news for Brisbane travellers because Qantas is resuming international flights today with QF55 taking off for LA at 10 o'clock this morning. The first Qantas international flight out of Brisbane in two years. It's quite a significant moment really, isn't it? It is, and I think it's great news for Brisbane. Yeah, it certainly is. And just a quick update as well, Adam, on the flooding in northern New South Wales. Maybe just a little bit of good news. Hopefully it does look like floodwaters are starting to recede, but it's still an evolving situation, and obviously these things can change very, very quickly. But even if the worst is now over, there is still just that massive, massive clean-up to come and, and so much heartbreak at seeing the devastation that's left behind. That's right, Michael, and they still need plenty of help to make good on on all the damage that's been caused. All right, let's have a chat about superannuation, Adam, and that that doesn't actually sound like a particularly exciting thing to say, does it? Let's talk about superannuation. I know you do. I know know you disagree (laughs) about how exciting superannuation is, but everyone knows that superannuation is a good idea, but you never really know if you have enough or I suppose probably the main point is you never really know how much everyone else has and you want to kind of compare <laughs> you want to kind of compare against others even just I'd like to say it's because you want a benchmark but really it's just about being nosy the Association of superannuation funds of Australia recently came up with a list of how much people have in super by age so it's it's very handy for the voyeurs among us 
Yes, it is, Michael. I went straight to my age bracket to see how I compared too. So the report shows that there are 11,000 Australians with more than $5 million in super. About 80,000 people have more than $2 million in super. And that includes 370 people under the age of 30. Hang on, hang on, stop. Hang on, hang on. Did you say 370 people under the age of 30 have more than $2 million in super? In super. Wow. I know. And how people so young can properly get that much in super, geez, they've done better than I would have expected. Um, The Association of Super Funds wants a cap on super balances. Now, of course, super is treated tax concessionally. So there's a big benefit to saving within it. In case you're wondering, Michael, if you're happening to be in the 35 to 39-year-old age bracket... Go on. (laughs) The average account, lean in, is... $83,000, while the median balance is $65,000. The tables show that men have significantly more savings than women, and we know from many of the interviews we've done on Fear and Greed that has to be addressed. Yeah, certainly does. All right, now, Adam, we've spent the last few days scratching around to find people who haven't benefited from Tuesday's budget. Yesterday, we warned the Treasurer wasn't cutting tax avoiders any slack. I think that's a good thing. And now, Michael, who have you found today? Today, today, it's electric vehicle owners who aren't happy. Well, that is true, Michael. Car dealers sold over 20,000 electric cars last year, and that's just under 2% of all new cars sold during the year. And because they don't run on petrol, they don't get the benefit of the fuel excise cut. It does make sense. All right, a few stories making international news this morning, Adam. The White House is authorising the release of their oil reserves to increase supply and really try and help drive fuel prices down there and also combat inflation. Some analysts tip inflation in the US to hit 8.5% soon, and so Joe Biden is under pressure to try and limit that. Everyday Americans really also want to see the price of fuel drop too. The average price for a gallon of fuel in the US these days is around $4.25. Michael, that's right. There's increasing pressure on countries around the world to start releasing supplies from their oil reserves. In one way, they say, let's keep them for a rainy day, and the decision can be made that that rainy day has arrived. The good news for us is the more oil that comes onto the market, the greater the supply, the more the price of oil falls, and we'll see that funnel through to the Bowser. Now, Adam, I think this next story is just incredible. It is the story of Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger. His total remuneration package for 2021, for last year, could be worth as much as $180 million US dollars. That's incredible. It's it's fairly significant. That's about two hundred and forty million Australian, but most of that is actually in stock and option awards that vest over three to five years, and they really rely on increases in the Intel stock price because his base salary last year was only about one and a half million dollars. Oh, only only one and a half million. That that explains it. You can say that. You can say that. But when you compare it to <laughs> you, when you compare it to one hundred eighty million US dollars and say it's just a fraction of that at one and a half million, it doesn't sound that much. But hey, to you or I, $1.5 million would be quite handy. Look, Pat Gilsinger went to Intel last year from business software company VMware, which he ran for eight years. In that time, he doubled sales there. So he actually came to Intel with a big reputation. Yes, he did, Michael. And Intel needed a change agent. 
competitors like Samsung are beating Intel at its own game. Mr. Gelsinger worked at Intel for 30 years before he jumped ship to VMware, so he knew the business before he came back. But since taking up the CEO's role there, Intel's stock price has fallen by 9%, so he may not get the full $240 million after all. Still, it's a pretty extraordinary story, isn't it? Look, finally... Adam, Elon Musk, one of our favourite topics on Fear and Greed, our favourite people, has accused the US Securities and Exchange Commission of restricting his free speech after they started an investigation into a Twitter poll he ran last year, and we talked about this at the time, and the poll was about whether he should sell a 10% stake in Tesla. Now, Elon's mentions on Fear and Greed have gone down while Sean's away, so I'm very glad you've brought this up. Musk has a history of run-ins with the SEC. In 2018, he reached a settlement with them that required Tesla's lawyer to pre-approve his public comments, which may affect Tesla's share price. And in court this week, pushing back against the latest SEC subpoena, Musk's lawyer said that settlement was a violation of Elon's right to free speech. The lawyer also cited lyrics from rapper Eminem in his written submission. How good is that? Eminem lyrics aren't usually used in court to persuade judges, but Elon is an unusual billionaire. The judge is yet to rule. Imagine if you were the judge on that case, Adam, as an Eminem fan, as a, as a fan of all music, and in particular you have this quite unusual obsession with rap music you would have just ruled directly in Elon Musk's favour right then and there, wouldn't you? Well, my head would have gone to that song as an earworm and I would have found it more difficult to pay attention after that point. Uh, So maybe it is a good strategy by Elon Musk's lawyer. On me, yeah. All right. Up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview and today we're speaking with Paul Bowker from Brick Lane Brewing. Adam, I know that you're a frequent visitor to Dan Murphy's um, and... You would have seen that lately there's a growing amount of shelf space being taken up by non-alcoholic beers and zero-alcohol gins, that kind of thing. Have you ever tried one? Uh, No, Michael. As a celiac, I actually don't get to drink much beer at all, but I really do love this story. It is a fascinating new business, and I think in Australia we're probably pushing it internationally. Well, it's really taking off, and there's brands like Heaps Normal, which is one that's produced by Brick Lane, and Paul talks all about that and about this kind of this boom that is happening in that space of people wanting to be healthier or people just not wanting to drink full-strength alcohol drinks but still wanting to, to enjoy the taste of it. So, look, it's, it's a terrific chat, growing trend in the market, and it's just also about the business of beer in this country. So definitely stick around to have a listen to that one. It is up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Michael. It's Friday, the 1st of April, 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget, you can also listen to Fear and Greed using your smart speaker. Just say, play the Fear and Greed podcast, and away you go. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.